Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 309 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we're we're all over the place, but uh, mainly talking about Moss Mecklen and also about Really Rad and a little bit about Pan Ams, Nationals announcement. We, we get into a lot. It, it was a good time. Uh, and we're going to get right to it quickly after I tell you about the things that hopefully you already know and you're just it's on your to-do list to, to follow through on. First of all, uh, the, the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. Become a member. Help support the podcast and everything we do here on Cyclocross Radio. Go to wideanglepodium.com. Also, help support the written word and also, and uh, videos and all that other media that you all like to consume. I think it's pretty safe to say that the CXR's bulletin is the only place that is covering the U.S. cyclocross scene comprehensively. Uh, you should be signing up to that newsletter. You can go to cxhairs.substack.com and become a subscriber for a small monthly fee or even smaller cumulatively annual fee. And Zach is putting out great content and you should... Um, uh, be getting that in your inbox. It's, it's worth your while. Finally, I still got t-shirts left. Please buy these t-shirts. Cyclocross weather. Again, this last weekend, more comments about cyclocross weather. I love it. You guys get it. Now you need the shirt that advertises it. Uh, along with the Wout Me Worry and also Vanderpool Rules shirts. All good. The uh, There are sizes. Small sizes. They're, they're starting to go. They're starting to disappear. And once they're gone... They're gone. Makes a great gift. Go to cxhairsdistro.com. cxhairsdistro.com. Buy a t-shirt. Buy two. Buy four. All right. It's episode 309 of Cyclocross Radio. We've got Michael and Zach and myself. We're talking about Mas Mechlin. We're talking about Really Rad. We're talking about things that are tangentially related to all of that and we're doing it right now we're back in the media pit and uh, we are going to talk about the last round of the uscx which was up in falmouth massachusetts over the weekend really rad festival of cyclocross we also have some world cup racing that took place in mas mechlin belgium we have a nationals announcement that came out this year for next year what else what what else do we got i bodie bodie's just working so i'm not even i'm not going to ask him what he was doing i'm going to go to zach zach what what else do we have to cover i mean we could we could in theory talk about rudervorda that happened oh yeah rudervorda and there's also let's not forget like money in the bank knocked von morden gc lars getting an early start to the weekend Went in a race there. I didn't watch it, but so we don't need to talk about it. GC Lars catching on. It is. It is. You know what? Can we just should we just start with GC Lars? Let's start with GC Lars. Yeah. Have we have we actually created something, or is this sticky? I, we, Bill, we create stuff all the time. The media pit. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you brought this up because I was listening to the really red. No, I was listening. Was it the really red? No, no, I'm sorry. No, it was Moss Mechlin. It was Moss Mechlin. Yeah. 
the announcer was talking about this podcast that he listened to where they were talking about Lars is a domestic and Lars is a winner. And I was like, that's us. He's talking about us. It, it has to be. Nobody else has made as 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 beaten this horse into the ground. I think I'm mixing my metamors metaphors, but regardless. Yes. And speaking then, of speaking of beating things into the ground, guys, is Lars elite? Is he back? Now we already we already established that. Man, that was like that was like three years ago. Man, we've been doing this a long time. We have. So Lars wins Moss Macklin. And just sort of just bringing to fruition the whole GC Lars concept, Michael. Because when we first, when you know, you were talking about that. I, I came up with the GC Lars. You didn't like this because you were like, it doesn't fit the GC cuss timeline. It's like, well, Sep's a, a Grand Tour winner, so he's GC. And I was like, well, they started that before because they wanted him to be a GC rider, and he wasn't. He was a domestique. Yeah, so no, I, I that's that's how I, I agree with that. I yeah, we you were ignoring all of Lars's previous wins before. Okay, so that was that was the point of contention. Yeah, like all right, Sep has always been a domestique, and You're it was right. the call to You're get right. him to beat. The I guess winner. this is like I don't want to say old large. I don't I, I, I Lars. <laughs> I don't want to say old large either. Both of those just not. Uh, I don't want to be ageist here, but he's, he's, he, it's almost like he had a separate, he was, he was racing against Sven Ness to, to win the world cup overall. That was, that was what? I think you had that up earlier. What year was that? Well, he started racing elite. I don't remember when he won the overall. Was it 14? Okay. Was it 13, 14? But Somewhere he started racing there. elite at like 12, 13. Right. The year 2012, 2013. 10 years. And ago. Lars Vanderhaar was the original young gun. The Vanderhol shot, Bill. You, Vander you raised us on that before, before, before Vanderpool and Wout were even on the scene. There was this other kid who skipped his skipped his senior year of high school, skipped his last year of U twenty three eligibility, and jumped into the jumped into the big leagues. Went straight to the show, and was and was a factor right away. It was the, he was the first Dutch kid to piss off the Belgians because he was winning races <laughs> at, at too young of an age until, until, until his mentor Sven took him under his wing and was like, Hey, no, this kid's okay to the, again, to the, to the ire of the Belgian fans, because they felt like Sven was helping Lars to deny Niels Albert of the world cup overall. That was like the big controversy of that time, which was amazing. That was the drama we used to have. That was good stuff. Like, like Sven was going to outrace Niels to take points away from him, but still let Lars win so that, you know, the margin would be bigger and Lars would win the overall. But that was like a lifetime ago. Now, now we have GC Lars. We do. And, you know, this is what's, what's the quote? Oh my gosh! I've been reading, I've been rewatching Mad Men, and I've been uh, reading a, a companion book called Carousel. And there's a quote about uh, it's like the American uh, shoot. 
This would have been a good bit, but now I can't complete it. Something about there's multiple stories. There's there's two acts. How many acts are there? There in America, are no, in America? no. There are no. We have two acts. acts we have three acts. There's none. There's none. Okay. There's we get that's one what time. I'm okay. Well, that's good. He's Dutch. There are He's no second Dutch. acts in American Life. There are second acts in Cyclocross. Exactly. And this is his third act. Don't you feel like this is the the swan song? Well, the I would argue there's of, there's. I mean, there's. This is really why there he, was when he was really good, and then he was really not good, and then he was back, which is one that you know basically we established. And now he's in the GC Lars phase. I would argue he's in his fourth act as a as oh. a cyclocross racer. Okay, I was con- I was con- I was ex- I was consolidating those last two that the- he's sort of been on this sort of good enough run. And this-, this is really why he needs to have a mustache. Like, well, I was going to say, like- is that like an intermission? Which part? <laughs> the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it's costume change. Um, and then, then his uh, his his change is his transition into management. Well, but like, epilogue. so I mean, to tell you, Bill, was he playing? Was Sven playing the long game, knowing that fourteen years after this, that he was going to have Lars as in team management? Oh, Sven! Sven is the godfather. He's like, I will help you now, but one day in the future, there will come a time where I will. Well, call you help you, my son, and you I will ask you son. a favor. And you will do this favor for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I th- and I love it because we had a fantastic race on Sunday again. You know what? You know who's not there? The sauces aren't there. The sauces are gone. Mikey uh, dropped out of the race. Um, you know, they lost Sweek, and now they had they had two riders last year, a lot, camp, not around. Um, who, is it Wietse Mutsen? Is he the other... No. Um, who's the other sauce? Like, who is, like, that's, the sauce was known for the trio, and then they got rid of Sweek, and we had a great year, and now they're down to two, and if Ellie can't do it all by himself. Well, I was, I guess I was thinking, just watching Pim Ronhar throw in another, I mean, he's, Pim Ronhar is the Lane Maher, circa 2019, yeah. of the Lions right now, but I'm sure it came down to, right, like, you had Camp, and you had Ronhar, and I mean, camp was pretty good as a U23. I mean, I don't remember you know, who was better or whatever, but um, what a choice. I mean, the Lions go with, and I, I feel like in the past, right, they've struggled because it was always the sauces and they haven't made maybe the best personnel decisions, but it seems like they've really trusted the process and they're finally really starting to figure out who they need to draft and these choices that they're making and they were super patient with Tebow. I mean, that one made sense. He was always going to be on the team, but they were super patient with him. And they went with Ronhar. And now they were... There was one point where four of the top six riders in this race were all Lions and three of the top four. You know, I mean, it was like Ailey had... Because they had Yoris in there, which is another great pickup. Um, you know, that was like some Golden State Warriors style, right? You get this guy who... <laughs> A little bit later in his career, who also happens to be really good, and he's chipping in. It just seems like they have a really good roster constructed now to win in many different ways. Is it, oh, this is no? This is a bad comp. I was thinking, is Ailey Kevin Durant? Because he he was telling that Fidea, and then he left. And all those guys stayed, and they're still successful now. I mean, only if only if he went. I was only if he went to a team that was dominant. Only if he like tried to be like on Vanderpool's team and be like, "Hey, I'm on Vanderpool's team." (laughs) (laughs) 
Speaking of Vanderpool, I just want to point out, give a shout out to Niels Vanderput, who's like, Alpecin de Koenig hasn't been at the front of any race in a while. Let me just go out and lead the first lap. Strong fifth place finish, fourth place. So, yeah. So I was looking at uh, Powell Saul's little bingo for 2023, 2024. And, and you're right. We got Ailey and Michael, of course, Ryan Camp. I think you're, they're counting on a lot. And after that, it just completely falls off. Uh, did you know they have a Kenny? <laughs> now I do. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, Kenny DeMoyer. 19 years old. Yeah, I mean, I don't that's maybe the future the, that's the future of the sauces. Yeah, there's some some names there that maybe we'll be seeing we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, in 10 years from now. Um, All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about this this men's race since we're we're already already here. Moss Mecklen, uh the I think from from a spectator standpoint and a a race standpoint last year was all right. It was kind of kind of fun to watch, kind of a fun track. Every rider hated it. Absolutely hated it. Like they were going to protest and not do this cuz of so many flats. Uh also a super dangerous start. But it looks like they changed it up. I'm going to be perfectly honest, I did not watch a ton of this race cuz I was um at Falmouth. So give me did were the were the changes to the to the track noticeable? I you know, I was watching it and I was like, where where are the mirrors? Like where is that um they like I did see they came they came to the mirrors going the other direction. Yeah, like it, later on, like it didn't have the camera there, and then like they go under some giant like structure that seemed to be less part of the broadcast. Um I actually don't remember a lot of the course last year. I remember there was this really cool like like bowl. They kind of went down in this like crazy S. I don't I don't remember that part. I they had what I thought was interesting about this is they had they were they were going over levees, right? Very typical feature there. Something I this is how I race cross, we race over levees. And so they had a few interesting run-ups that were pretty decisive in that they had like a stairs next to a run-up, so you could run or ride. But a lot of issues happened at those moments and it was it was it was a there were places where you would see tebow his sort of strength he'd really come to the fore where he could like ride up these things and get gaps but uh in terms of course wise i mean i thought it was i thought it was good i thought those i like those features a lot and they had the, that man that there's a long shot like a long line and you downhill off camber turn very small like it wasn't a huge off camber turn but it really caught a lot of riders out um and it's interesting how once again these like features that seem kind of innocuous or sort of become like big momentum shifts well i mean ailey was he was keen on making every feature where he could biff it and fall down potentially just endo over his bars he was committed to making sure you knew about these features because he was going to eat shit on every single one of them in this race and kudos to him a text yeah, I texted you guys like Ellie is riding so sloppy. Like he was just he was not. So was I, not on I guess uh, um, I, I like your point about the the levees. I think that they were, especially in the men's race, they were the right combination of like if you hit it right, you could ride it and do something decisive. And it was that like perfect co- that perfect height right where they were challenging, but there was a benefit to ride them. That you know, perfect cyclocross feature, and we saw that several times. Um, I guess one of my, my, my joking thought is 
I feel like the uh, the accoutrements of this venue were way cooler than the actual course. I mean, you have the mirror wall. You had a bunch of like tall structures that looked cool as hell. Um, you had the the Poly Shore biodome things going on. So there were lots of cool things in the background that would have been fun from a photography standpoint. Um, but with the exception of those features at the end, first half of the course, pretty not memorable. I was surprised at how narrow it was and there weren't a lot of lines and I felt you had to have be off to a good start. I mean, it was like you were stuck. I mean, our guy Loris was in seventh the whole first lap because no one could pass him. You couldn't pass anyone till you got to the the levees at the end and it was just like it was very tight. Like everything was just narrow. Even the road was only like eight feet wide. <laughs> you know, they found a little road that's not even like twelve feet so they can have a little space to pass. And it just seemed I'm sure it was really frustrating if you didn't have a good start to ride on this course. Well, uh Andrew Stromar was there, and I, I can tell you just from the <clears throat> little feedback I got from him through our team was exactly that. You know, he he got you know, not a great call up, got caught up in the start and then it was kind of over, you know, and, and it was like really slow to get going in the beginning. You're already, before you even start racing, you're finding yourself 30 seconds down. And, and he was like in the thirties to forties and that's where he was. He was like, there was nowhere to go. You know, he's just like, not cause uh, you just couldn't pass. There was no room to do anything. So, and you can look at it with these time gaps. I mean, you get, uh, in, in the finishing, the, the top 10 are within the first minute. And then by the time you get to the top 20, it's already down to two and a half minutes, top 30, it's down to th- three and a half minutes. It's just, there, there was nowhere to go in this race. So it definitely was not the, the pack racing, but it was more just like a long line. But the racing was like, super, I mean, it was chaos. I, it, the thing is because there were no open sections and it seemed like everything was kind of, I don't, not smooth. It just looked uncomfortable to ride. One of those where like you do not enjoy riding your cyclocross bike on this kind of course. Maybe you it races okay because you're going fast, but you guys, have, everyone's done those courses, right? That just plain suck to ride on. But there was no coherence. There was no ability to stay together, and it was like you had Ronhar off the front, and then Lars would be on the front, and then Ailey was off the front. It made it like super dynamic to try to figure out what was ultimately going to sort out from this because it wasn't group racing i mean at one moment mike mike if he did contribute right you had mikey v and ronhar off the front for a hot second you're like that's not gonna last like nothing's lasting here um so it's definitely to me it was like super chaotic and interesting to see and I, it, it probably showed just the sheer number of weapons that the the lions have to toss out there it's like oh him go do your thing oh you're back all right you know tebow can can go and you know gc lars will always be willing to put in his efforts um so yeah i think it really played to the lion's strength the way this race played out so that's that that's the question then michael when when lars goes that final time was was that a move to win the race or was he just trying to again just kind of break it up I think I actually watched a video with him. He said it was just sort of a move to go is to sort of make Eli chase Ellie chase. And then, and that was the one that stuck. And I think that's sort of the mentality of that team is like, we've got three guys who can, we've got multiple guys who can win. And she's like how we're going to, if you're going to be in that situation, you ha- if you don't, 
if you have a team that has winners like that, you cannot have egos, you can play off each other really well. And I think that's, we're really seeing that. Um, I think also one thing I want to talk, I didn't get to mention last week so much. Zach, you kind of talked about this, but I do think there is a difference. And Mikey Venturnow is not there. That I was thinking about the way he rides. He is such, he's a rider to me who rides in such a defensive mode, like first, like, and that is why he's so good with Ellie because he plays defense like really well. I was just watching him the way he rides. He's just very good at it. The subtle, like letting gaps open, always trying to get in the way of the chase. Um, you know, he's like, he's like the Pippin, right? He's the Pippin to Jordan, to Elliot Jordan. Um, so I just, I think that like, like sauce is really need to have that dynamic if they're going to do anything against the lions right now. And, Mikey didn't he didn't know why he dropped out he like wasn't feeling well maybe but they're like we're not sure is he sick he was sick two weeks ago so kind of interesting to see him not finish the race and you know Kuppenberg's coming up on Wednesday so you guys know how road racing works much better than me and you're probably more well versed in the the GC cuss so how uh controversy you know like the controversy over uh, the Volta. So how are we feeling, right? Because Lars is with, with Tebow. And did Tebow YOLO that climb? And, you know, because he, he basically tried, Lars ran, Tebow tried to ride, Tebow got stuck, Lars was gone. Was that him? Was that him just putting on a show and doing a solid for his teammate? Is that, was there, you know, is there some of that going on uh, for, for them? I... I feel like at the end of the day, Lars' only ambition is cyclocross, right? Like this is this is basically his job is racing cyclocross and doing well in the World Cup is great for the team. I'm sure it's great for him financially as well from uh, money from series stuff, but also I'm sure there's a bonus structure that that plays into that as well. So I, I would guess that. Tebow is less concerned about Lars kind of stealing his stealing his spotlight and 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 if if he's out there I don't think he's going to really be like this is an F1. He doesn't have to like prove himself against his teammate especially since, you know, I think he his ambition lies elsewhere. I think cyclocross is fun for him and I think he wants to do well, and he likes winning championships and all that kind of stuff, and I'm sure he'll win a lot more races, and this may be completely moot when he goes out and wins the next three World Cups. But but for now, if Lars is doing this well, I don't think, I don't think any of those guys are like going to be pissed or, or try to try. So to you're saying he down. was kind of flexing. He's like, well, let's see if I can ride this. That'd be pretty cool. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and if sure. I finish second yeah. or I, third, it's I okay. I think that's also – but isn't that isn't, – but isn't that like, haven't we already seen that? I mean, that's kind of his gig, right? right? That was the He's pass like, downhill at yeah. the other I'm race. Gonna yeah, downhill. Feel- I'm going to pass downhill. I'm going to ride the dock uh, hill at, at Trek. You know, I'm just. I'm, so he's I, one for I three. He's shit. one for three you know, that's, on that's session. Right. Okay. Okay. So yes. he's. Yeah. I mean, baseball, he's doing great. Basketball's a three-point shooter. He's mediocre. Uh, other sports, yeah. not so good. But one for three, right? Because like he also. Here's yeah. My yeah. Qu- yeah. Here's my question I think, for you, Michael. Yes. Is Joris Neuenhaus the 
Michael Van Tornout comp for the Lions? I think he's like I think he's a close comp. Yeah, you see him. I don't think he's like I don't think he's as good as Mikey um, in terms of just talent and ability to win big races. But he is a rider. Whereas I see Pim, we see Pim, and he like he's like the offensive guy. He's going in the breakaway. Yoris maybe is, you know, not letting others go in the breakaway, sort of back in the peloton, sort of like, you know, watching things. So sort of not quite, but kind of there. And does he prove the rule that there are second acts in cyclocross? Yeah. Heck yeah. He was was a road racer, right? I mean, that was the gig. And he was on those like, what what was, was it BMC? What was the gravel? No, he was on a giant, wasn't he? No, wasn't it BMC Zach at Jingle he Cross was, that he was racing? Uh, he was on a world tour team for four years. Yeah, he's on DSM, Team DSM. Uh, and then Sunweb. Sunweb was before. And uh, what kind? Of, what bikes does Sunweb ride? Giant. Okay, so he was on a giant the whole time. Yeah. He goes way back. I mean, in 2014, he was with Rabobanks. I mean, he was in their development program on, I guess, 2016, 27. So that would have been about when he... So maybe the answer to my question of what team was he on when he won Worlds was Rabobank. Yeah. Yes. And that was yes. Beals, right? That was in the... At the... At the yes. The original slag pit. All right. So DSM's on Scott right now, but I think... I'm pretty sure he was on Giant when he was racing... Like a weird gravel bike. Maybe okay. this is the kind Shit. of this is the commentary that you come to the media pit for. Trying to remember this stuff. Someone's just, you, you, you you know people are yawning at the podcast right now. My God, I just anyway. remember him upset with his bike, <laughs> Jingle okay. Cross, I, and he was. It was just like it was just him. So Lars wins this race. I a, a few other just. I guess one thing that I definitely noticed, and again, I guess I am just turning into an alien, despite the fact that he was a train wreck in this race, which was kind of fun to watch. I mean, kudos to him. Like, he was an absolute train wreck, and he still finished second. I mean, I think it shows the form that he's on. Uh, But uh, did you guys catch, it was maybe lap two, when he actually used the mirror wall to look behind him to see who was there? I and I was looking for other riders to do this, and Ailey was the only one I saw. But like, love it. I loved the savvy. I just think that Ailey Uzerby always puts on a clinic on how to race cyclocross, and that was just a moment where I was like, I guess I stand you now because you do stuff like this. It was more than the Ethan Glading uh, gallery of people checking themselves out in the mirror as they were racing. Yeah, because he was so Michael, uh, Mikey V and Pim were off the front and he had a group of three or four behind him. And he just kind of did a look over to the mirror. Didn't it? You don't have to look all the way around. You just look 90 degrees and you can peep it on the mirror. So it was kind of a, a cool thing. I, it still shows the, the form that he's on. I think that you know, he's still able to withstand these attacks that the lions are doing. And, you know, he did come back. It was like, wait, you're back. You, you crashed. Like you, you crashed multiple times and you're back. So I don't know if you guys saw who, uh, Cervello. Sunweb was on Cervello at that year. Jingle, Jingle cross. 
Cervello, which now has a, they now have a cross bike. Right. They now have a really nice cross bike. Oh, you're right. Now I remember. Yeah. Oh, they had the flip switch on it. It was the gravel bike. He did the flip switch on the, and he was doing like all the pedal strikes and stuff. Yeah, flip chip. Right. Okay. Now now it's ringing a bell. Oh, man. I feel bad that I got that wrong. Uh, But do you guys see who was in third at Mossamechlin? Who? Who? Tell us. Tell us who's is. I'm just saying, Sweet, third place. He's coming back. He's on the way up. Uh, he got second at Knock Van Warden. He's uh, the calf is feeling better, so Sweet time is coming. The Dra- weekend Dra- draws nigh. Is I mean, we way. do have so we have Copenberg coming up, which is not this week. Uh, it's the middle of the week, which is great because no. it can't be this weekend. But actually, Neil will be in the middle of the week. The G- it's, is it is it mid week? Yes. Um, but also, ne- so if he fin- if he if mid- he finishes midweek, not so good. That's a not so. Good I was going to say if he finishes like seventh, then will that be midweek? Yeah. Well, he wanted we to already, be there. Can we so. write the headline now? It's also unfortunately. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Hold on. What day is Neil on this year? Is Neil on a weekend? I mean, so we all know Neil. That's that's the one with the sand pit that they truck in. Oh. For the, that's the GC Lawrence Swack. 11-11. All right, so I'm calling it. it across. The official weekend officially starts November 11th. That's Lawrence Sweck's race. His music will be playing. I'm excited. Home, Deep, Home Depot cross. Let's do it. So, the greatest cyclocross racer in the world right now won Moss Mecklen. I don't know that there's much to talk about in that race. Um, pretty dominant. Are you already declaring this without asking the question? Yeah, yeah, I'm just declaring it. How could you? Okay. How could you argue? Can I, I, that? I think for the record, I think I officially have to ask Michael, Zach, who right now is the greatest cyclocross racer in the world? It's got to be Fem. Fem Van Empel all day long. Um, so I was. You know, I've been, I got a new, got a new thing, got a new pet project, the winning streaks in elite cyclocross. Uh, I like to, it's a fun thing to look at. And with Femme winning that race, she's won 10 races in a row, five from last year, five from this year. I don't know. I guess the thing that I, that draws me to this is it's like, you know, it's, you got to be pretty, like, you can't have any mistakes in cyclocross, like to be able to win that many times in a row, to be that consistent. You know, not a lot of racers have, even if a racer's on a really good season, you'll win, you'll get second, you'll get third, you know, things happen. So to, to win that many in a row was pretty interesting. And so I just want, I was like curious, you know, what other women who have like, where does this streak of 10 stand amongst the other, you know, super amongst the, you know, pantheon of like really good female riders. And can you guys guess who has the most winning? So is this only for European races? Is this for like just any UCI race? It's, it's any UCI race. Um, I mean, you probably could guess who has the most. Oh, any UCI race. Yeah. Katie Compton. Voss. How many in a row? Yeah, Voss. I 17 in a row. Break. I think Femme can break that. 2011, 2012. I think she I can mean, too. Puck I mean, is I coming think back in a couple weeks. Kuhlberg, but I think that 
that is a very one. I love this. This was a great find. Like kudos to you. I I love this. Well, who well who do you think who do you think second? So that's the one you probably won't get. And I actually didn't find this till later. But yes, any UCI race. So it could be someone over in Spain just hoovering you, up wins. You, is that a tell? Uh, is it's it is Spain. it Pavla Havakova? It's not a tell. It's, it's, That'd be my guess. It's not. Uh, that's the one I okay. meant to look up. That would be my I, guess. I don't think so. Um, but this is a racer who did race in the states. Helen Wyman. Um, nope. No, I'm realizing I didn't. I didn't look up like a ton of people. And if Helen Wyman has the, <laughs> I don't. I, she's, I, I think you're fine. She's Canadian. I'll give you that. Magli Rochette. No, I think Mag's most is seven. Uh, Lynn Bissett, 14 oh. in a row, 2005, 2006. Really dominating streak back then. The one of the uh, name I'll mention, uh, Hanka Kufernickel had 12. Compton had 11. I will say if you look at some of these, like, you know, Lynn Bissett raced mostly in the States. Those are all her wins there. Compton did win 11 in a row, which included races in the States, World Cups, like nationals, sort of like kind of the strength of schedule of that was was pretty impressive. Um, I think Honka won a bunch of races in Germany, but also some... Like for a while there, like Compton would have all these like like Namor, Overisa, Antwerp, and Roubaix. And then it would just go and go and go. And then she'd get like, she got like second at Tabor. This is like 12, 13. And then just started up again, you know, winning. So, yeah, that's it. I was looking at, so that year, uh, I guess it was 12, 13. That's the year she beat Voss at all the World Cups and then at the World Championships, Voss was able to beat her. And I got so far as to look up highlights from that race and I was about to watch it and, and do a little report for you guys here, but I didn't watch it. So I, don't, I can tell you how that race went. I like, I want bring it back to the race. I like Bill's new bit. Who was the top finisher from a country without a red, white, and blue flag? I was going to get to this. Good. Thank you. We had an interloper too. We did not have an all Dutch top five in this race. The Dutchies Correct. did not sweep the and- Wydunga podium. So, are we, I guess the question is, and it makes sense, but we're taking all shades of blue, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, red, white, and blue. Like, okay. I'm looking at my phone. Blue, yeah, I'm blue looking is at my blue. phone right now. Blue yeah, is yeah. blue. Okay. Yeah. Well, are you going to tell us? I mean, well, I'm going to defer to I, you I was, because was, you've been on this beat. Hasn't this been part of your beat? Yes. I'm deferring to you. This my has guy. been my beat. Yes. We, yes, we Sarah. To, we have to go to seventh place. place seventh place. Sarah Casasola. Casola, yeah, Casasola from Italy. Been on a run, on a little four race, four race tear. Um, yeah, six in a row horizontal, red, white, blues. That's pretty good. The 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 your interloper though, Marie Schreiber, jumping in there with the Luxembourg finish, which is nice. It's gonna mix up that flag a little bit. I mean, that's a good result for her. I mean, she's the same. She's a year older than Zoe Backstead, who did not have a good race. Um, I think she's one of those riders. Like, we've been hearing a lot from her, and it's like one of those young riders that you want to see build on some of the success. I think it's a name that maybe we mentioned in the Wide Angle Podium last year. I'm not going to look to see if she did, but 
you love you love to see it. I mean, that's a great result for a twenty a twenty year old. CX twenty four pointed out that Schreiber, Benfield, Casasola, Frank, all best finishes in the World Cup. Um, you look at who's right below them, entering worst, who crashed very early on. So you know that's their finish helped by the person who usually beats them. Um, but yeah, Casola has been on a good little run in Italy and sort of has taken that spot as maybe the best, uh, Italian rider, um, from Lechner. And I saw that Lechner won who, who would, who I'm blanking on her name, who finished fourth at worlds in Fayetteville. My God. Yes. I'm sorry. Who's also a really good road racer. Yep. You're right. I'm also blanking on her name. Persico, Sylvia Persico, Persico, yes. I suppose she's probably resting from her road season, and uh, Sarah is taking over for now. All right, guys. Uh, until she what gets I, back. What I want to see is uh, Christina Zemanova get in there because, you know, the, the, the Czech Republic flag, we need a, another different red, white, and blue configuration. So that's, that's, that's who I'm rooting for to. to jump up in here into that into that duchy uh, stranglehold at the top so guys i feel like you know they say that the european cyclocross season doesn't start until the Copenberg cross so this is technically the preseason we're in we're in game five of the nfl preseason and uh, the show's kind of going off the rails <laughs> let's should we talk about really rad can we bring it back and talk about really rad yeah, i just i, I feel like we're, yeah, we're playing it, the fifth string like <laughs> we're not at the top of our game here so to tie this in to the USCX, Jeremy Powers before that we talked about was talking about Magli Rochette just being in the preseason. So you are confirming Ugh. that she is legitimately in the preseason because cyclocross, as are all these other racers even racing in Europe at World Cups because cyclocross doesn't start for the Copenberg. I like this. So it wasn't like you're racing in America and that's the preseason. It's everything before the you're, you're no respect, your, no respect. Shaking your head, Michael. Yeah, no, I don't like it. I don't like I don't like the constant talk about how Magali is just doing training rides. Look, I get it. She's Do you know really who's the, talking about Magali doing training rides? Magali. Yes. Yeah, I know. I I I get it, and she's clearly stronger than everyone, and that's just the way it is. But. Well, I don't know. I, I, I believe she is doing that with, quote, all due respect <laughs> to her competitors. I mean, to be fair. Can we hold it against her, Zach? Well, no, and to be fair, she committed and she was like, I'm racing the entire USCX. She wasn't like, I'm going to show up at two of them. She's not like, I'm going to show up at four of them. She's like, I'm racing this entire series. Yeah, I want to win because there's, you know, there's money and prestige and I want to, you know, winning eight races in a row is pretty cool. But like, uh, you know, again, Magali Rochette is one of the true ambassadors of American cyclocross. She was like, I'm going to show up at every race. She's doing clinics and Q&As at every single one of these races. So the idea that she's blowing it off or whatever, I hope no one gets that impression. Um, but she also is trying to get something out of it, right? The only real competitive race she's had for her is World Cup Waterloo. It just has not been super competitive. And so she's doing her best to get the most out of this to balance that training while also not overdoing it, maybe going too hard or whatever, going into her European campaign where she has ambitions of finishing a world cup podiums this year. So I give her all the credit in the world, but it's very clear. Like she's on another level. I mean, she is just, she's the best <laughs> in North America right now. 
the other thing that she's doing out there, and this may be, you know, signing with Canyon, sort of being set, knowing that she only has but so many more years that she can do this at a high level, setting it up so they have a much smaller footprint than they did in the past, you know, just taking a lot of the stress out of the racing season. It's basically showing up, doing the stuff that her and David like to do with engaging with the fans, engaging with the juniors, and then racing. And the thing that she's doing that she admits, and we all saw last year, it, it wasn't happening. She's having fun. She just looks like she's really having fun out there and she's she's enjoying these weekends and they are they're just like fun weekends and I think that she can take that that spirit of cyclocross and uh um port it over to Europe where things you know are tough and it's it's hard and it's not going to be as fun but she's going over there I think much fresher and super fast. I think yeah, I I, I hate to like to, to give this analogy myself. In 2016, I, I overtrained and I went into cyclocross season. And I just felt like I was awful. Like I hated riding my bike. I hated everything about it. And I threw out my back. And actually, long term, it sucked. But it was really the best thing that happened for me in terms of cycling because I stopped overtraining. And she's talked about this as well. It's like, in a way, the illness and everything she dealt with was a blessing in disguise because she would, it's just admitting she was buried. Like, you get so far into it and she wasn't fresh. She had those great results despite that, you know, in, in the fall of 2021. And she's really talked about just taking a step back, taking that time off the bike. She talks about enjoying herself. Like even if she doesn't win or doesn't race well, she's like, I get to race my bike. I get to race cyclocross. Cyclocross is inherently fun when you feel good. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I really think we may see better results from her in Europe this coming season than we did in 2021, or at least on par with what she achieved because she's fresh, like a happy racer is a fast racer, right? Like they say that all the time. And it just seems like it's really awesome to see her in a good headspace, especially seeing how deep and not great things were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, she finished fourth behind the three best Seagex racers uh, in Waterloo, you know, without that fourth place, she would have all ones across the board, um, and we'll find out soon enough because she's not going to do Pan Ams. She's going, she's skipping that to go to Europe. So I don't know if she's racing this weekend or maybe it's a little bit later, but. I think she said she's leaving in a week and that was on Sunday. So yeah, so probably okay. another week and a half or so. I don't know what her first, the first race on her calendar is. And, and if we go back to that world cup, she was. She was upset. She was disappointed in getting that fourth place. And that's that's another thing, too. And it wasn't an unrealistic one. She really felt like she was – she could compete with uh, Alvarado. Yeah, she certainly that, was close to the podium there. Yeah. Well, and that ties in, Bill, with your interview with her after Saturday's race. I mean, what did she tell you? I mean, she just went out <laughs> – uh, really rad is a course that lends itself towards if you want to go out like a banshee, you can go out with all levels of just crazy going hard. Well, uh, Sunday got a little awkward for some people, uh, that first corner, but just flat, relatively speaking, wide, wide open. I mean, it's like the, the, like the, the antithesis of what Massa Mecklen was, you know, what built 30 feet wide in some places. I mean, it sure felt like it. And she just, she railed that opening lap. 
Yeah. Well, it, it was kind of funny. It was funny watching the, the, um, broadcast later on. Cause I had talked to Magley before the race and she was like, well, I got a plan for the day. And I was like, well, we were just, we were just talking. It was, it wasn't an interview. It wasn't anything. I was like, well, you know, I'm going to ask you what that plan is. She's like, well, <laughs> she's, I'm like, I won't say anything. Just uh, she's like, well, here's the plan. We're we're gonna go out as hard as I possibly can for the first lap. And, and why then, did? She, but why did she do that? I mean, this ties into the World for, Cup for the World yeah. Cups. Yeah, she wants to be able to be in that front group. She wants to be able to commit and do that. And then it was, you know, again, it, this is not any disrespect to anybody that she's racing, but she she is looking for opportunities to turn these races into training opportunities as well. She's like, then I was going to let up and maybe everybody would catch up with me and maybe that, that we would be racing again. And then the last lap, I was again going to go all out as hard as I can. So it was kind of fun watching the broadcast where they're like, she may have gone out too hard. Looks like looks like they're catching up some. Her lap times aren't what they were before. And I was just thinking, I could text them right now and tell them what's going on. But no, no, that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> this is uh, this is how it's going to play out. So yeah, she pretty much just stuck to that stuck to that plan. And I think it was also really good for Sydney McGill, who spoiler also knew the plan. So it, it, she she was she knew what was going to happen too. So and she was like, "I'm jumping on this train and seeing how how long I can last." And I I think that she did fine there for a while, but you know, it, <laughs> they're they're at two different places in their. It was only eight minutes this time. I mean, uh, that was really what cost her. Is like Charm City, right? I think she stuck with Mags for maybe two and a half, three laps, and she finished second on day two. She only stuck with her for a lap and a half on day one and Mani was able to get back in. And this was only a lap uh, right out of the sand pit. Like Magali just explodes after, you know, Miguel hesitates and Mani eventually caught up. So it seems like there's a, it, she need you know, the 20, 25 minutes. If Sydney McGill can do that, that's the, the, the ride to be on. And that delivers her to kind of that, that second, that second place finish. It, it was the, yeah, it's kind of the maybe maybe it's the Canadian plan because we'll get to it a little later. That was kind of the the Michael Vandenham plan as well. We're just gonna it's 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 the it's the professional fade, right? We're we're just gonna go out as hard as for him more, not for this race, but we'll get to that. Go as hard as we can, and then just try to try to hang on. So I, I think that was the other story in this race. You know, Carol Manny, another another person. Everything you said about. Magaly for just showing up and respecting the the series and respecting North American racing. We can also say for Carolyn, you know, she has started this new program this year. Is her Lauren Zerner? It's an offshoot of the Alpha Team from last year, kind of just with with those two. And she shows up. She had a lifetime Grand Prix commitment, yet still raced every race of the USCX, which is pretty darn. In- Impressive because the lifetime Grand Prix ended last weekend. So I'm going to do a Marty here. And there were some people, there was at least one person on Twitter who was uh, calling him out for doing this and whatever. That was a little unnecessary. But if you are new to cyclocross, <laughs> if you're new here um, and you're wondering why, why are we talking about Katie Klaus? Cause you're like, eh, you know, you look Saturday, she finished sixth uh, Sunday, much better finished 
finished third. And I think Jay Powell's nailed it. That first race back, and keep in mind, she has not raced really since 2021. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure she'll be okay with me telling this. I saw her at nationals and I was like, hey, it's great to see you. She's like, yeah, I'm literally, this is me getting off my couch and going <laughs> to race my bike. But the thing to understand about Katie Klaus is Katie Klaus, absolute superstar from like age 12. I mean, she was racing in elite crits at probably age 15, 16. I mean, she was on domestic continental teams from a young age. She was on DNA cycling for the longest time. She's won. She could tell you, I think, I I think it's like 33 or 34 national championships across cyclocross, mountain bike and road racing. I mean, just an absolute star. Um, She's at Colorado Mesa um, doing the collegiate thing. And, it's great to see her back. I just such a young, talented, was always super humble. You would interact with her and she would always have time for you. And you're like, Katie, you're, you're like a superstar, you know? And she was always just very humble that you would be interviewing her and was always gracious and thankful. And so I'm just, I'm really excited to see Katie Kloss back. And I really hope that she's able to kind of commit to the sport for a few years and maybe realize some of the potential. I mean, she finished fourth as a, I'm going to quote myself wrong. She finished fourth right at Dubendorf worlds as a 19 year old, as a first year U 23. I mean, that's just the level of talent that she has. And I'm excited. I'm excited. She's back. Yeah. And it's, it's national championships across the board. You name the discipline. She's got a national championship. And I think one of my favorite moments, I was interviewing her years ago in uh, nationals mountain bike nationals was at snowshoe. And she had, of course, one and i i asked her uh if this was her first time at a national championship like on camera and um just how flustered she got in not wanting to you know say (laughs) basically (laughs) i have more national championships than i've been years alive um which i knew uh yes that was um but we made we made it through that interview. No, and I just think it speaks to how humble of a kid she has always been. And I think it's something that I always appreciated about her because she had every right to be as cocky and arrogant as anyone in American cycling. And she never was. Well, and, and she did did the professional road cycling gig. What was it? Uh, Michael Human Powered Health, formerly Rally. That was the team she was on. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, she she did that, and I think that she just talking to her um, likes mountain biking, likes cyclocross, and kind of wants to wants to play in the dirt for a while. So we're we're happy happy to have her now. And yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Day one, I think what Powers is saying, just kind of figuring out where you are. And she was I mean, she was surprised that she got on that podium day two, but she she looked good and she looked strong. And I think it's just going to be up upward and onward from here. So it's sort of, uh, excited to see what she is going to do once we are at nationals this year. And she's a first year elite. So she's actually an elite this year. So no, I mean, she was, she finished second to Madigan Monroe last year, but yeah, first year elite. It's, it's wild. Bill, you experienced this. You see kids growing up. I, I mean, talk about the men's race because we have a pronunciation guide, you know, very important part of that. But uh, you see these kids when they're super young and you see them grow up and then you turn around and they're like adults and like Curtis white is almost 30. It's just wild, you know? Uh, and they've been there for such a long time. 
Bill, any insight on the ground, uh, what she's racing Katie Klaus this year for cross? Is she going to do the rest of the domestic season Europe or? I'm not sure what her calendar is. No, sorry. I should, I should have gotten that. Um, I'm sure we can find that information out. Yeah, this was this. Well, you know, just to go back on it, she's, she's racing the Steve Tilford foundation team with Curtis and with Ray Lynn. And this was, this was sort of the unveiling of Katie Klaus as, as part of that team taking the spot that Lizzie Gonzalez had on it last year. So that was, it was kind of the first year, the first race for her of the season for UCI race, but also the first race with that squad. Another thing that I was really excited about, I feel like we got to start talking about Janaya Francis. I mean, young, I think second yeah. year U23, and there was a hot second where it's like she was with Mani, right? Racing for second, I think, on, if I'm not mistaken, on Saturday. It was like, you know, I think she's a name that we we saw. And then, you know, Bill, you and I were at Cincy, and we were definitely took note because she finished fourth on Sunday. And it was like, what, two fourth places this weekend, right? And only what second year U twenty three? Yep. A name to remind another Canadian. I I, I just really think I, the Canadians really committed to developing young talent, and I think it's just coming to fruition in the biggest way. Where you know a rider that you look know, at her results last year, she did okay. Um, but you know these riders that are really just keep coming. They just keep coming on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, and I, I imagine that Cycling Canada just has to be ecstatic with their commitment to development and what's what's occurring right now yeah for sure no definitely good rides from her and then fifth place both days lauren zerner who i think is one of these racers who we've seen come up through the ranks who is now still u23 i think third year u23 but uh ending up racing in those in that front group or at least chasing group in all of the races that we've seen domestically so far Anything else we need? We want to talk about with the women's race day two. Magley decided to, you know, <laughs> a dirt nap. Yeah, the the plan on day two, I guess, was to see how you can recover after crashing thirty seconds that, into a race. And that um, seems like a good way to spice it up in a yeah. challenging way. Yeah, yeah, and and she did that and had to spend how many minutes fighting back to the front, Zach? <laughs> it wasn't that many. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see. <laughs> she she got up and got got back. In I it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting late. watching that she showed like no chill too. She had like no chill. Like, you know, she was taking advantage of the long power straights, and you know, Sydney had a little bit of a gap. But uh, you know, we had seen where she kind of would hang around and let Sydney ride with her, and I think probably in part because of the conditions, and also, you know, she she already ate it. Like she just was like, nope, I'm going. I'm just. No chill. Um, and it was, you know, kind of a very aggressive, similar to, I think, what, you know, Rochester when she put herself in a bad position in that race. So I don't know. Maybe it's good for her to to kind of have that a little bit of adversity uh, in these races. And why not? Why not just instead of doing the McCormick, just eat it in the opening corner and that'll put you in a little bit. Situated. You're going to crash in cyclocross. It's going to happen. It's, it's, it's kind you of, know, it's part of the game. Crashing and breaking shoes, like these are these are things you need to practice. I, I that's that's one thing that Magley could have done this weekend was to try to do a shoe change. Yeah, you're uh, right. If she's going to go to Europe, she's going to have to work on her shoe transition. Yeah, I, I don't oh, actually yeah. actually know. Maybe she's not on Shimano. Maybe she doesn't have the the terrible boa. 
I'm just looking at the results from day two and I'm thinking that Carolyn Money, sixth place, that's a day I think she led she led the pony camp and the pony camp beat her on Sunday. You know, the youngsters finally got away from Manny. Uh, you saw her come across like kind of like, I tried, you know, I went after it and, and they got me this time. And uh, that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I, she was... Nah, she's she's a trooper, and I think she's yeah. she's kind of cooked at this point in the season. And you know, she's she's not going to give up when it comes to racing. I think it finally she finally was like, "All right, that's it. I'm still going to be second place in the series." Uh, to wrap our elite women, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give the overall standings for the U.S. CX series. No surprise, setting the new gold standard, the standard as long as this series continues that we will be comparing riders to. The perfect eight for eight for Magalie Rochette. Uh, so she had a perfect score. Uh, Mani was within 90. So Carolyn Mani wrapped up second place uh, narrowly. That Actually, that off day on Sunday almost caught her. Sydney McGill almost came back. So 270 for Mani, 264 for McGill, Lauren Zerner in fourth, and Raylan Nuss in fifth place. So that is... Your overall real no no real drama. We talked about I talked about this over at the bulletin. I think you know we've had a couple drama filled years. This one was not really uh, for the women. It seems like things were mostly decided heading into this final weekend. Yeah, and just to note the next next two, you have two up and coming U twenty three racers there as well. Kaya Musgrave, who's on that Cervella Orange Living team, really solid solid series for her and then also Ella Brennanman in seventh place all of them both of them uh racing near the near the front for the whole series so some good some good younger riders who were uh up up in the final standings as well so in the men's race Bill your intellectual property in cyclocross world that you've borrowed from other places but it's truly your own is the heat check you are indicating that we might need to rename or come up with that. There might be an offshoot of the heat check. Is this true? This heat check variation is actually Bodhi's creation, but it's almost worth doing one, which I have absolutely no time to do this week. I, I got home from, we're recording this on Monday night. I got home from, Falmouth. I drove up there and back. Got home about two a.m. Then tried to I had to catch up with all my work today, and then leaving for Montana on Thursday. So there's there is absolutely no time to actually do a uh, heat check or um, possibly a cry check. So I, I yeah, I, you know I young man carries an interesting place. If you don't know. Uh, he's from Wisconsin, from Lake Geneva, and we're talking about seeing kids grow up. I interviewed him, actually. He finished second in junior boys, 13 to 14 nationals in Hartford. If, if people didn't catch it, who are we talking about? But you said his name. I said his last name. Okay, we're talking about Dylan Zakrychak. Okay, all right. Uh, you know, so I've, I've always known how to pronounce it. I've, I, like... I, he told me, I was like, I looked at his name. I'm like, oh, I got some love. Like I'm half Polish, some love to you. But I was like, I don't know idea how to say your last name. 
And he told me. Uh, so it's been super enjoyable. I think, you know, he is the announcer's wrecking ball coming through and doing things like he did on Saturday where he just goes ballistic in the opening lap. And, you know, if you're Jazz and Jeremy, kudos to them. You have no choice but to pronounce this young man's name. I mean, they tried. Uh, they could have just said Dylan. They could have been like, yeah, this Dylan guy, which maybe I, I might have. I, I don't know. I've been in that situation, right, Bill? You've announced races. We're like, do I try or do I come up with a nickname? I, for for his Spoiler, he got third. Great race. I interviewed him for the GCN broadcast. And even before that, I knew. I knew. And I even went up to him. I was like, just give it to me one more time. And he was like, the cry. Check. It's three. Just break it down to three. I was like, perfect. I got it. And then I was like, all right, third place. We got Dylan. So my, I'm just going to, you know what? Uh, I'm going to, I have a feeling. So after I watched Saturday's race and I was like, I'm going to send Jeremy a message. I was like, because I know how to pronounce his name. And I phonetically spelled it out. It was Z-U-H-C-R-Y check. And Jeremy still got it wrong on Sunday. He was saying Zakroy check. Kudos to Jez for, I assume Jeremy also sent him this video of me pronouncing his name correctly. I just think it's hilarious. Um, but it's really awesome to see young Dylan, Mr. Zakroy check, doing the Zakrai check on both days. I mean, you know, Sunday was just an absolute battle uh, getting in a position where, you know, to get a podium 20 years old, he's still super young uh, battling out, you know, Michael Vandenham again, Michael Vandenham is what is the Canadian equivalent of the pony camp? The moose camp, <laughs> the moose, the moose lodge. I kind of like the moose lodge. So we'll roll with it. So Vandenham running the Moose Lodge, you know, there's a cry check and Caleb Swartz and you've got Tyler Clark in there. Um, oh, before we move off of Dylan, I have a question for you because you brought up Caleb. I'm, I'm going to put you on the stop, spot here. If You're talking about heat checks. Madison, Wisconsin heat check. So favorite sons of Madison, heck, we can put daughters in there too, of Madison, Wisconsin. What do you got right now on this? So spot? are we doing all of Wisconsin or just Madison? Because really, oh, I mean, you're like, okay. like the best racers yeah. really. I mean, if you look at like the iconic Wisconsin, if you look at the iconic Wisconsin racers, most of them aren't from Madison. Okay, here, here's my deciding factor if it's all Wisconsin. Where's Madison from? Uh, Madison from Sheboygan. Okay, well, there we go. So it's all Wisconsin. Wisconsin heat check. Man, I have to do a heat check. Uh, and it's, but like, yeah. you don't, you, I, I won't put you on the spot. If you want to think about this, this is your I homework, I want a bulletin Zach. post. Yeah, I this want is your email. homework, okay. Zach. So bulletin, off-road, Wisconsin. I mean, you've got like, you've all got time. A, All-time Wisconsin heat I check. I mean, you've got a lot of talent. You've got Katie Keogh. You've got Brian Motter. You've got Tristan Schoten. You've got Casey Hildebrandt. You've got Caleb Swartz. You've got Emma Swartz. Uh, you have, I mean, Dylan Zakrychek. He's young, but could be doing some great things in the sport. And I'm sure I forgot someone. Uh, fortunately, the Lalons are... Lily Sonneman. Yeah, Lily Sonneman. Fortunately, the Lalons, they're like the iconic like Midwest. They're from the other side of the uh, the border. But this is good. This is fitting because Iceman is this weekend. And that is a race where like Modder has kind of made a name for himself uh, before, you know, like <laughs> borderline world before tour the guys Michigan started, came yeah, in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> This is a great question. All-time Wisconsin power rankings. How about next show? Next show. Can I workshop it? All right, great. Yeah. 
All right, yeah, we'll do it. Also, Perfect. if you're listening to the show, if you're listening to the show, hit me up. Uh, if you need to figure out what my uh, what my Zell is, I can also provide that. Not above, you know. Not above. Uh, just let you know. Hit me up. I just like that we had our American national champ off the front, and we had the Wisconsinites really trying to defend him from the barrage of Canadians coming to take him down. So shout out to Wisco, you know, keeping it, keeping it locked down for us. I appreciate that. Well, if we're talking about day one, yeah. And then, so Curtis wins by 30 seconds on day one, but we had a good battle going there behind him. That was a, that was a nice race. You had Luke Valenti, Whose nickname is not Kenny. That's his clothing company, Zach. I've heard this. <laughs> Luke, Luke Valenti, Michael Vandenham, and Jules Van Kempen. Uh, Vandenham Van Kempen, the two North Americans with the Dutch names. <laughs> I mean, we, we could just pretend that we still had like Euros in this race with those guys. It was great. You know what? It was awesome to see Vandenham just YOLO it. And he was with Curtis for nearly half the race. I think it was like good 28 minutes of race time that he was with him uh, and try to, to try to hang on there. So that was that was super fun to see. I mean, obviously, it's his swan song. We're getting to the latter half of his his swan song as a racer. And it was just cool to be reminded, you know, that Vandenham is still out there doing the thing. Uh, and I'm sure that you know, it was it was interesting to see him race against Tyler Clark on Sunday because Tyler Clark is currently wearing the Canadian jersey. And, you know, I mean, I, would that be a great... Uh, what better story than Vandenham to win the jersey one last time at Canadian Nationals? Like, it's in BC. That's where he lives. I think it would be a great story. But again, you know, Tyler Clark got the best of him. So... Uh, I think it's going to add some drama to 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 his final Canadian Nats. Hang on. So if you are retiring and you win your Nationals that last year, don't you have to come back and defend it? Or can you can you win and then make it disappear? First off, in Canada, I, I believe that it's not a it's not a jersey; it's a sweater that you win, and. <laughs> Maybe you just here. Here would be the thing. I'm going to map this out for you, Van and Ham. Even though you haven't asked us. Well, we also learned he he doesn't really listen to us. But so someone tell Van someone tell Van and Ham that he needs to listen to this. He's not into media. Like, he couldn't even make it. He he finally gets on a podium and can't even make it to the interview. <laughs> I was like giving him a hard time about it. He was like, I was in the pits. I was a puddle. I couldn't move. I was like, fair enough. Uh, so, you win the sweater, the Canadian National Championship sweater, and you just leave it on the podium. Ooh. Right? Okay. It's like leaving your shoes. I was going to say, the, is this the equivalent of the, of the shoes map. for the wrestling? I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's the move. Or you come back and race another year. Put that put that Team Canada job on hold for another Wait, year. Or you could just show up at Nats. I mean, just do do it. Exactly. Yeah, just show up till you don't win. You're like, oh, I won. Like, I guess I got to do this again. So do, do unlike Luke Valenti's clothing sponsor that's not his nickname, do the Kenny and just show up at nationals. Like, just not, don't race cyclical. Well, uh, Warner did, what did he do? 
did he do one race? I think he did year? like last this year. He hasn't raced. He hasn't yeah. raced at all, right? Okay, yeah. So I think he's just going to show up at nationals. That's the. That's, that's, that's well, the he has a single speed jersey. He has to defend. So by 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 your rule, oh. he has no choice but to show up at at cyclocross Nats. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to this day one race. Come down to a a, a three up sprint. Jules Van Kempen playing the dangler. Yeah. For a lot of this race. He really was. That was that was did did the legit dangler, Michael. He did. And he he came back and he he did he put himself in second second wheel for the sprint. But it was like if you watch the overhead drone shot, like he had to go the entire pavement to get in front of Anaheim. It was great. It was great. It's great because you know what? We've watched Jules come up. Bill, I know a lot about well, I know about Jules because of the work you did taking photos, you've done a few videos. And so it was exciting to see that sort of like really big uh finish. I think that is that his highest spot? Second? He's gotten third before, right? On the podium. This, this will be his, his highest finish. In a C one uh, too. Yeah. Elite C one. Oh, C one Fan- too. Lots of points. Yeah. So fantastic. Fantastic finish to see. Um there were some good battles there, yeah. You know, the first place was off the front in both races, but I think we had some interesting races, and in, uh, especially on day two, um, Vandeham, Valenti, and um, uh, Tyler Clark. So this podcast, you know, we're this is a podcast of the people, and so when people slide into our DMs with suggestions about things that we should discuss, I feel like we should. Uh, so there's some questions about uh, the tops versus the drops. In the sprints, and I think I think we had three, uh, and you guys are going to have to help me here. So we had a sprint for second on Saturday. Uh, we had a sprint for third in the men's race on Sunday. And then also on Sunday, we had a sprint for fourth place. And so we have three pieces of, uh, of evidence here uh, by which to, to judge you know, this eternal debate. Uh, the first one in this Saturday men's great 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 photo from checks notes oh bill shiken uh, of the sprint finish over at the uh, cx hairs bulletin um jewels on the tops taking the win um and i, I think you kind of know where i'm going with this one is that we had the other sprints and so in the sprint on saturday in the elite men's race i think dylan was on the tops and, uh, or am I, no, was it, I, I'm, I'm messing up. Like, so th- th- long story short, two of the three, the winners were on the tops. I think Janiah Francis was on the drops and Lauren Zerner was on the tops. Janiah won. So that was point to the drops. But then I think in the elite men's race or the, the Sunday elite men's race, we had a tops winner. I don't know. I'm checking photos. It's, th- this has been a well debated topic right and i think that i think adam myerson before has argued that the way you set up your cross bike versus how you set up your road bike are different where you're putting you know more of your power position in the in the tops because that's where you're spending most of your time on your shifters versus the drops so who knows i think it comes down to who's stronger whoa if true I will tell you this, uh, th- that there was definitely a change in weather from, from Saturday to, to Sunday at, 
at Falmouth in the barn stable fairgrounds. Can we talk about the start of the elite men's race on Sunday? Yeah. I want to talk about this start. So Dylan, this is a cry check takes the whole shot and man, does he brap it? Like he almost lost it and kudos to that man for keeping upright. Cause like his rear wheel was like perpendicular almost to the, uh, to the, the direction of travel at one point. But the most impressive one was Tyler Clark. So Tyler Clark is maybe like third wheel. Someone crashes, eats shit in front of him. He goes down. He gets up instantaneously, and he's like in sixth place after the literally going on the ground at the beginning. And I just I wanted to give a shout out to Tyler Clark for how quick that man got up. They say that crashing in bike racing is an art, and maybe it's the hockey player in him or whatever but go if you haven't watched it go watch it it was incredible incredible move he, he is he's the trey turner of cyclocross that's gonna be somebody out there is gonna get that he he slides whenever he slides in baseball he's was, the guy that's just like i was gonna up. ask if he like was he a baseball slides down, he's like <laughs> yep just right up um best slides best slides so bill baseball. you were on the ground what what kind of mud were we looking at? What kind of conditions? How did this how did this really rad course ride in the rain? I think that it would be possible to race Sunday. All, all the mechanics are gonna call me call bullshit on this. You would have a bike that would still pedal without changing a bike all race. Is it was it was raining pretty consistently. It's really sandy, so the mud doesn't cake up on onto bikes. You're not you're not at a point where you're forced to run because your bike just doesn't turn anymore. And I don't think other than if it was just too slick to ride, there was anything like you're getting bogged down in mud. But it was just wet. I mean, it was constant rain. It was the type of sandy conditions and rain that if if listening to bikes could make you cry, that's how every bike that passed you <laughs> sounded. It just, it was just like, oh, they, they, they were the saddest sounding bikes as people were just like chugging by. Bill, I have an important question about, I mean, if it's raining, were you able to take shelter in our favorite trailer? Michael, thank you for the setup. Because I know watching the broadcast, well, maybe people were disoriented by the broadcast because you know you 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 want your waypoints, right? You want your landmarks, and yeah, and and Barnstable Fairgrounds Meth Lab is definitely a a a landmark that we all knew and all loved, and uh, you know it's on it's on Zach. Zach likes the uh, the photographer Bingo, and that was definitely a big one last year. Gone, completely gone. Just just remove like it never existed before thank goodness we have our our 2022 photos and videos to to bring us back to the to the trailer behind the grandstand but yeah just gone it was sad i also noticed they uh went around a different barn this year yeah so you went around the red barn like last year here's the thing just uh, i i will tell you this just to jump into photographer's corner here for a second with the red barn, remember how last year you could almost like barn doors on on a a light, how you could shape your shot by moving the doors in and out mm-hmm. on, on yeah. the red barn? 
doors were just on the side. They had taken them down completely. No, what? couldn't couldn't move the doors at all. You just had just had full open. Did no, they? The mod- not no, know no, you were not un- the barn was no longer modify modifiable. Uh, yeah, so I think because of that, they were like, "Hey, you know, we want to make our three photographers who showed up uh, happy, so we'll just give them another barn." So they went they went through a, a, a second, <laughs> more of a stable. It was, yeah, it's kind of open. More open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not as which, cool. Which was like, oh, cool. They're going through the barn, which would have been really cool. It's it's in a remote part of the course. It would have been really cool if there were like. 300 people on each side drinking beer and hanging out and partying or even if there had been say Zach Christmas lights hanging up on there or something to, oh, to make yeah. it fun I know that's my idea that, um, uh, I have no idea okay. where did you come yeah. up with this idea I mean <laughs> this is just I, from from riding through a Thank barn you. is brilliant the Thank idea you. I of, was like it just it was just like it was like an, uh, an actual light bulb in yeah, my head. I, I was like Bill, you Christmas are, lights here it was actually a Christmas amazing. light bulb Bill, you yeah. Are, yeah. I, I will light. say like and even in the, uh, the pre-media pit text Bill was cooking today. Bill, you are cooking right now. So without the jingle (laughs) cross lights in there or anything else, uh, it really was not exciting. It it just, they just kind of, kind of rode through it and added some, added some distance to the course. But other than that, you know, pretty much the same as we had last year. It's a fast course. That's, that's what I'll say. You know, there's, they, they try to throw things in there to slow people up, but uh, these people who race these bikes are really fast and they, they figure them out. I bet there's somebody on the bulletin who wants to know, they moved to pits. Yes, that was nice. Okay. One thing just from the, I, I can tell you uh, from from a mechanics mental health standpoint, it was good because talking about barns, there's a huge like storage barn, like metal storage barn that ran the length of the whole pit last year and the mechanics basically stared at this barn for the whole race. That's, That's right. Yeah. Because because people just appeared and then disappeared and they just spent five, six hours staring at a barn. They moved it to a a into one of the next to like the horse corral like right after the start. So you get like pit one right after the start and then you go to the sand and then you go around and come back. But it was sort of in this lower level, much better set up for the pit and uh, a, a, a position where I think everybody could see a lot more of the course. Yeah, it seemed to be, I didn't even think about that bill, but now I'm, I'm remembering exactly where the pit, yeah. Yeah, that can be, that has to be the worst. Like at the other position, you can see them coming all the way down the start. You see them go to the sand, you see them come back, you see them go to the, not there anymore meth trailer yeah much a much better position okay i'm glad i asked then do we got anything else i feel like it's we should give luke valenti a shout i mean i think we were hyping Janaya francis but uh luke valenti has finished on podium so another young canadian and although he says that he's a road racer and maybe that's where his future is he looks pretty good i mean you got to give the guy credit like Second day, that is not road racing conditions. That's cyclocross. That's steering your bike and second place finish. And, you know, was with Curtis for a hot second and kept Curtis honest uh, throughout the race, you know, seven seconds in the final margin. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what that kid can do. You know, I think he's really burst on the scene and he's really coming into his own here in the, the second half of the year. 
do we know, Zach, did you see, is he signed up for Pan Ams? I don't know, Michael. Is an any, issue with uh, that how, how would I know if anyone signed up for Pan Ams? I Hold on. Let me go to uh, bikereg.com. Nope. Don't go there. No, don't I don't go to see bike anything. Ridge. I don't see anything. Um, should I go? You know what? Cycle. Do they shoulder their bikes? How about my run sign up, Michael? Would that be a good place to look? Yeah, I mean, I was looking for a cyclocross race. I probably would go to the my run sign up. That's that's where okay. I would go. And I, I'm sure that this website has a really convenient startlet. Like I don't know, it could have like a thing that might predict how things are going to go. Does it have that? Okay. No. It All right. We found the start list. Zach and I found the start list, and I don't actually remember. It was harder for me. It was like a GeoCities website, a little harder to navigate. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just looking at Luke. I know that he was the U23 national champion uh, for Canada last year, and I don't think he did race. Yeah, he Pan Ams. He was seventh. Just looking at another, like you said, another uh, upstart in Canada. I'm curious to see what he can do there. Should, I, I have a question for you all. This is you. I, I'm going to lie down on my couch here for a second and, and ask you those questions. Do Canadians not like me? Because like Luke Valenti also just standing me up at the uh, post-race interview. Well, I mean, Bill, you do have a long history of telling a certain someone that he's only your second favorite. But I mean, but Luke Valenti doesn't know that he could be the favorite. He could be. First. He could He's be. too young to even know this, this mythos. Luke Valenti could be my favorite Canadian, yet he stands me up. Okay. Wow, like second a... place. You guys stood up by third and second place. Yeah. Is yeah. is a is a podium at a USCX race just an everyday thing for these folks? Oh no, he was at the podium. He just didn't want to be on TV. Ugh. Everybody wants their interview on TV. I don't know. Luke, come I, on. I'm sorry, Canada. Whatever I did, I apologize. Well, it, it, Bill, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an equilibrium. We can only have so much like, is Bill popular in Canada? Does Bill hate juniors? And so we're seeing where like, you know, I mean, the pendulum has Ooh, swung. Where Bill like is that, very yeah. pro-junior yeah, right. now. And so like to yeah. keep things in equilibrium we can't i'm doing the hand thing right now we can't have both of these things occur at once that would just put the cyclocross orbit off kilter okay that makes sense i i, I feel better now hey uh we sort of like you know well um a little bit like uh max verstappen in in f1 because uh f1 actually does coverage well where they cover the rest of the field Curtis White was kind of off on his own for these races. I mean, he, he he did have Luke with him. He had Michael with him. But we didn't really talk about him because I think we just sort of take it for granted that he's going to be winning this race. So he's sort of like outside of the coverage zone. But uh, much like we were giving Magley credit for as well, uh, Curtis did the whole series. And, it, 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 you know, and he talked about it in those interviews. And it is something that's important to him. And I think he is one of these people who really uh, takes a lot of pride in U.S. and North American cyclocross as as uh, something that he wants to strive in this community, and also he wants it to to survive, and 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 he makes that point every time. So kudos to him as well for sticking out, coming out here, being on form. You know, I mean, he he he. 
I think was struggling in some of these earlier races. It's sort of tough to know, right? Because he definitely, he would tell you he was not in form for these early season races. And then we had guys coming over, you know, we had uh, Anton and and Loris and when Strohmeyer was there and Vincent, and they were stronger than him in those races. So it's hard to know where he would stand up with those guys now in this final round when they're not here. But at the same time, he's showing up and he's he's kind of kicking ass out there. So, you know, we got to give give some credit to Curtis White as well. It's also, it is good. Yeah, the salute, the mayor. We salute you, the mayor. I ran the numbers, guys. Uh, I think I did it on our Instagram. Prior to last Saturday, uh, about 3 p.m. or whatever, when they hit the start line in, where was it again, Bill? Last Saturday would have oh geez you you're doing this to me it's Kingswood Park in it's a Deerfield Township when they hit the start line in Deerfield Township Curtis White had done so I I learned there are no C one C twos for juniors or U twenty three it's just that's the classification he had done fifty nine fifty nine elite C ones with zero wins. In a literal seven-day span, like literally whatever seven times 24 is in hours, he won two. So I would just like to salute Mr. C1, Curtis White. There's some child, some baby out there, right, Zach? Born last Friday. Never in a world where where Curtis hasn't won a C1. Incredible. Uh, Other news, I think news, or did we mention, did we talk about Nats? No, let's do it. Let's have the big announcement. Zach, where will Cyclocross National Championships be next well, year? I did a double take. I was like, what? I had to read a little close. I wanted to make sure to do my due diligence. But we're back. We're going back to Louisville, it sounds like. Uh, so we're going to Louisville in a little over a month. And then we'll be back again. So Louisville is like, it's got Cyclocross vibes. I mean, World Championships were there. I I appreciate that they love Cyclocross. And after Joe Creason, y'all remember what happened in December of 2018. There was there was a lot of haterade. I mean, there were news articles and stuff from people in the neighborhood being like, "Why did you destroy this park?" They were like, "I didn't. I honestly didn't think we'd ever go back." And if you saw Bill, if you saw what we did to like their administration building where we were inside trucking mud in, they're probably still doing deep cleaning so that carpet in there so i was actually kind of surprised that we would come back but commitment to cyclocross doing nationals there this year doing nationals there next year and i think it's really good from just a standpoint of like you even mentioned it bill you can drive there i think like it's a good central location and i think if we're looking at trying to get the biggest fields the most people again i'm sorry colorado and west coast it just perpetually happens but it's a venue where people on the east coast the midwest are all like I'm going. And we saw really big fields there in 2018. And so I'm kind of pro as a, except I'm not going to comment. Is it the Midwest? I don't know what it is, but like, I think it's a good central location and a great place to have nationals geographically. And it's a great venue. Yeah. We used to do the two year at a venue. We did. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of going back to that. I don't think that's a bad thing. You, you are really able to figure out things year to year instead of, you know, Hartford, we went back to, but it was years later, completely different conditions, probably different leadership for the people on the ground doing the race. You, you get a lot of institutional knowledge that you're able to repeat. So I I don't think that's a 
that's a bad thing. I, it, you know, I, I don't want to get bogged down here like we did at Winter Park in Colorado for Mountain Bike Nationals because I think that was easy for USA Cycling to continue to go back to that venue. And then it just becomes unfair and unfun because you have the exact same courses at altitude for a country that very limited people actually race at altitude so that i I don't want to go more than two years but i think two years is is cool finally i think we do this pan ams are this weekend they're in missoula uh in montana i think we gotta do our picks we always do our picks don't we normally do our picks I don't even know who's Sure you racing. do. Who's yeah, going to win? Who is Clara for the elite women's race, guys? Clara Hansinger. I yeah. saw she signed up. Clara Hansinger, Magli Rochette would be great competition for Clara. Magli is going to Europe. That is, oh, I have a question before I make my pick. In which race? Is Isabella Holmgren race? She is currently signed up for the U23 race. That is a great question. I don't know if this can change. I like that. That could really throw a wrench in things if she looks at how she's raced this year and especially uh, the dominance that she displayed in Deerfield Township. Maybe she'll change. I think she's got to race up. Well, she can wear the... World Cups are mixed fields. There is no separate women's U23, so she can win a jersey and actually wear it if she does U23s. There are no U23 World Cups for the women. Right. There are, though. They're part, they they race at the same time, right? That's why we have two leaders split out the U23s. So I think, so I think. Legally, so you're saying she should do U23 so we can see the jersey, okay? In Europe. wait, would this only yeah. be because Claire, but does Claire have to would have to because there's the elite, yeah, Pan Am's jersey? No, I'm saying that they both could then, yeah, do their that own. That would be race. a reason that she could race you 23. But however, if Isabella, if Isabella races the elites, I my pick is Isabella, same. Uh, so for the men, uh, Andrew Strohmeyer, we discussed, he's in Europe, I think similar to last year, two dog, two dog fight, two dog fight. So. Well, who's the other dog? I, I mean, I've got yeah. white. And your two time defending Pan American mm-hmm. champion. Bruner is going. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, you really struggled looking picking... at the start list. I actually found the list of people who were racing. I I just assumed Bruner was done. I mean, he didn't. He was like done with cross. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna go with White because he's been racing cross consistently, and I feel like this is his year. He's won the C1. It's time to win the Pan Am. I think it's Bruner's till he uh, doesn't win it. Wait, it's Br- White doesn't win. You're picking yeah until he doesn't win. I mean, he's been. Oh, it's I'm just assuming. Yeah. Like, I did not watch the through, course yeah. preview video, but we've seen on fast courses. I'm assuming this is going to be a relatively fast. I, it's M- Montana. I'm just assuming it's going to be one of those similar to like Resolution. That's the assumption I'm drawing. And those are courses that Bruner races. Why well are on. you? 
I Why saw is the it course. The same? I saw the course preview, so I am going to do the cliche thing and like, well, from that GoPro footage, it looks really flat. Great, Bill, you'll be is there. Uh, so we'll be getting some reporting on the ground from you, uh, from Big Sky Country. Uh, Michael, what's the what's the link to the live stream? What? For Pan Ams. <laughs> I want you to answer this question now so when Zach gets it at the bulletin a hundred times next week, if you could just tell people what the live stream link is now, we can get that out of the way. www.signuptocxharrisbulletin.com <laughs> There is no live stream. That would be the answer. All right, y'all. Did we do it, Zach? I think we did it. Okay. Uh, we'll see you after... Pan Ams. <laughs>